Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name is Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us today. Uh, this is us, and uh, we want to wish you a great 4th of July. Uh, if you're on the stream and you're, like, on a lake somewhere, you stink, okay? Because all the rest of us are here, and we're having to go through uh, the challenge of not being at a lake, right? Um, well, hey, good morning, everybody. We're glad that you are here. And uh, I'd like to uh, begin this morning uh, by just kind of sharing with you a story. Uh, when we uh, first started uh, the JAR, no one took a salary. So every single staff member uh, outside of uh, our worship leader uh, actually helped for free. Uh, myself, everyone else. And the only reason we paid the worship leader is because no one in that small little group that was meeting in homes could sing or play a guitar. So it was really, really bad when uh, that person wasn't there. So we paid them to show up. And uh, because of this, because we were so volunteer-led during this time, what we would do is to help people uh, resource ministry, we would give them a a credit card. And so we had three or four leaders uh, that we gave credit cards to uh, to help them with their ministry issue, and it worked out really, really well for many years. Uh, Then, uh, one day, I had our financial director uh, come up to me and say, hey, something looks kind of screwy here. Uh, One of our leaders is paying for things that really aren't uh, supplies or ministry related. And uh, I couldn't believe this because uh, this person had actually always been very wise. And uh, so I went to the person and I asked them, I said, hey, uh, we saw a couple things that you were spending money on. And, and uh, what are those for? And they confessed and said, well, yeah, actually, uh, we weren't using it for church resources. We were dealing with our own personal stuff. And, and we did that. And I was just shocked by this. Because we were in small little homes and we were with each other all the time and and I couldn't believe that this had happened. And so naturally, immediately, we took the credit card back and uh, we decided at that time uh, that we would uh, not give a credit card uh, to any volunteers going forward. And uh, the person felt really bad. They confessed. Uh, They understood the limits. They repented. And and for a season, there was a lot of change uh, that took place within them. But a couple of years later, uh, a guy in the church who was a businessman, uh, he came to me and he said, hey, I have this uh, family who I've done some work for them and they haven't paid me. And uh, I said, oh, I said, well, practice what Jesus would do, actually go to the person and like tell them what's going on. He said, okay, I'll do that. And so he did. And then after that, they stopped communicating with him at all. Never talked to him about anything. He had, he had put in about $2,000 worth of different supplies and work uh, for this person. Didn't do anything. And uh, pretty soon they stopped going to church and they went from just being a person who made a foolish decision to a person who actually was doing something that was evil. Sometimes there are people in our lives who are very wise. And sometimes there are people who are foolish. And sometimes there are people that actually act in evil ways. Can anyone relate to this or is this just me today? Anyone else? Uh, Noah, wise, foolish, 
kind of evil person. Okay. Um, well, the reality is, is that for those of us who are nice, reasonable people, I mean, those of us who are nice and very reasonable, uh, if things happen, you respond in a reasonable way. So let's say, for instance, that you come up and you step on my toe. And I tell you, you stepped on my toe. Being a nice, reasonable person, you'll go, oh my gosh, I am so sorry I stepped on your toe, Chris. This will not happen again. I promise, I will not do that. I'm going to change. And everything will be better and it will work. Or let's say that uh, you're at work and you oversee someone. And some of you manage people. So you oversee these people and you notice that they're not performing all that well or there's a coworker beside you not doing their job and you kind of confront them on that. You think to yourself, well, I'm a nice, reasonable person. They are as well. And a nice, reasonable person will say, you know what? I am so glad you showed me where I wasn't performing well. Because you know what? I want to get better. I actually want to get better in doing that. So I'm glad that you showed this blind spot to me, and then they change. But this is what I want to say to all of you nice, reasonable people who are in this auditorium today. And this is what I want to say to all of you nice, reasonable people who are on the stream today. You have a problem. You have a big problem, and this is your problem. This is your problem. Not everybody is like you. Not everybody is like you. Now, most of the time I begin the series or I begin the teaching by giving you a big idea for you to put into your life. Today, I'm not doing that because it's a holiday weekend. I'm going to give you a problem. And this is your problem. Your problem is you're like, thanks. I'm glad I came to church today. Right. Uh, One more problems. Here's your problem. Not everybody is like you. Not everybody is like you. That's your first fill-in for today or on our app. Now, the good news is, is that the Bible actually gives us some perspectives on t- and tactics on how to deal with three different types of people that you and I encounter. But the way that you deal with these people has to be different. So, Here is the first kind of person that we have a tendency that the Bible refers to that we deal with, and that is wise people. Uh, Wise people, that's your next fill-in. There are some people in your life that are wise people. If you would, I'd like you to think right now about your workplace. Wherever you work, or if you don't uh, work, if you're in your home, uh, what your extended uh, kind of family looks like. Like, what is that entail? Now, uh, a wise person, the Bible says, uh, that if you go to a wise person, they will actually kind of listen to you. But, But what you need to know is that there are a lot of wise people that are not the smartest people in the room. There are many times the wisest person is not the smartest cookie in the cookie jar. You might be uh, in your workplace around a board table, and that person uh, is not necessarily uh, the smartest person. There may be other people that are very smart. But the Bible actually gives us some perspectives that wise people have three kind of, uh, what you would say, healthy ways that they respond. When life happens, they respond in three different ways. Uh, First of all, when truth comes to a wise person... When you give 
uh, a wise person some feedback, uh, Scripture actually tells us the wise person adjusts themselves to the truth. A wise person actually adjusts themselves to the truth. Uh, If somebody says to you, you're a horse, you might actually look at them and you might say, you need medication, right? Like you need medication. But if you had five people that you trusted came up to you and said, you're a horse, you might actually go get a saddle, right? Because you're wiser thinking, well, maybe this is true. They adjust themselves to the truth. Scripture says this, correct a wise person and they will become wiser still. People who are wise folks, they adjust themselves to the truth and they become wiser. You see, folks, wisdom is not about your IQ or your Mensa score. Uh, Wisdom is about humility to listen to other people. A second thing that wise people do when they respond is that they actually listen to feedback. If you say something to them, they actually listen. They don't get defensive. They don't get mad. They don't fly off the handle. They listen to it, and they're willing to change their behavior and to do the right thing. So the proverb says, uh, correct a wise person, and they will become wiser still. And then it actually goes on to say that if you correct a wise person, they will actually love you for that. They actually are the type of people that when you correct them or you say something to them, they're like, oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you shared that with me. I actually want to get better. I'm so glad you shared this with me. And then finally, what a wise person wants to do, they actually, they want to grow. They will adjust themselves to the truth. They'll listen to feedback and then they actually want to grow. And so investing in wise people, folks, is so important because they will adjust themselves to the truth. They'll listen to feedback and then they will grow. So the strategy for a wise person is this, that you talk to them about problems. You actually can talk to a wise person about problems because they will listen to you. Several years ago, uh, we started a recovery ministry, and uh, before we did, I knew I had to have a point person, and so uh, it was early on in the life of the church, and so I started thinking to myself, well, who could this person be? And I found a person that was a great communicator and a a wonderful leader, and so I said, hey, this is the person I'm going to ask, and so I invited uh, this guy to have breakfast with me. We sat down for breakfast. And uh, I had all the recovery stuff that I was going to call him into doing this. And uh, just before I got ready to ask him to do this, he said, I just want you to know I got trashed last night. Recovery ministry and a person getting trashed does not compute, okay? And so I'm like, oh, great. You know, like this is, man, God, I thought this was from you. And so I said, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I was going to ask you to be a part of this recovery ministry. And, you know, uh, we just can't do that now. And so we sat down and we talked about some of his problems. And I said, well, you know, these are some of the guardrails we have to put on because I still think you're the person, but you can't do that right now. And so I said, uh, for six months, you have to be sober and uh, you have to do that before we start anything. 
And six months from now, when we start, you're not going to be the only person. We're going to put a team of people around you, and um, I'm going to meet with you weekly to hold you accountable to doing these things. Now, this guy could have gotten defensive. He could have got mad. He could have been like, forget you. I'm not doing that. Adios. He could have flipped me the bird like right there as we're having breakfast. He could have. But he was wise, and he said, this makes sense. And he was wise enough to where we talked through the problems and he adjusted to the truth and he understood that there had to be some guardrails that, and he listened to the feedback and he grew that ministry and it impacted um, dozens and dozens and dozens of lives. Hundreds of people who were impacted and dozens of people whose lives were changed. So we have the wise person, and then the next person is your friend and mine, and that is the fool. Let's all say that out loud together. The fool, okay? On three. One, two, three. The fool. Yeah, the fool. You know, the fool sometimes actually is the smartest person. They are the person that's the most talented. They're the person that is the most developed. They're the person who has ideas all the time. But when you give them feedback, they get defensive. They get upset. They actually go the opposite direction of where you're trying to take uh, whatever the plan is. And they'll reject you. They'll ignore you. They'll do their own thing because they think that they actually are smarter than you. In fact... They will even tell you what you're saying to me. It's wrong. You're not doing the right thing. They might say something like this. Well, if you just gave me more space, or if you just gave me more authority, or if you just did this, or you did that. Do you hear the word that I'm saying all the time? You. And these are foolish people who are always about, you did this. You, 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 you. It's all about you. And they become very defensive. They get mad. Um, They start to blame other people. You're, You're talking to them about whatever the issue is. And the problem is never in the room. The problem is always who? You. You're the problem. Because they don't take responsibility for their actions. Scripture says this. So don't bother correcting fools or mockers. They will only hate you. It kind of sounds like this. You confront them and they're like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You blankety blank, 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 blank. And they switch it around. And it's not about the problem or what you're dealing with. It's about, it's your fault. Confront the person, it says, who is wise and they will love you for it. Scripture says, confront The person who's a fool, though, and they will hate you for it. For the uh, first few years of the jar, um, I was what was called the idea guy. Uh, Whenever we would have staff meetings, I just had an idea. And we would sit around this staff meeting and someone would be talking and all of a sudden I would just interrupt them and I would give them my idea because honestly, I thought my idea was better, much better than anyone else. And so in one of these meetings, we were talking, and all of a sudden, I interrupted this person, and I gave my idea. And then after the meeting, they came up, and they said, Chris, 
you know what, you're so passionate and you really do have a lot of good ideas, but you know what, it really bugs me when you interrupt me when I'm sharing my ideas. And I was like, really, I do that? And they're like, yep, you do. And uh, have you ever had this before? Like you apologize to someone, but in your head, you start having other thoughts like, you know what, they're a little bit too sensitive. They just can't handle somebody like actually, you know, correcting them or having a better idea than them. And so you apologize, but you just kind of go, eh, you know, it's really more about them. But OK, hey, I'm sorry. Well, uh, several months later, a friend of mine and I were sitting down, we we're talking to each other and he was talking about something that was important to him. And all of a sudden, I just like jumped in, interrupted him, took the conversation a whole nother direction and start talking about it. And in the midst of all that, he turned to me and he goes, you know what, that really bugs me when you do that. Exact same words, folks. It really bugs me when you do that. And I said, again, I apologize. I said, oh, I'm sorry for doing that. But in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, you know what, maybe he just had a bad day and he doesn't realize what I was saying was really more important than what he was saying at the time. Uh, And then several months went by again, and my wife Jennifer and I were having a conversation, and as Jennifer and I were talking, all of a sudden I took the conversation a whole nother different direction, and uh, she looked at me and she said, boy, when you have something in your head, you just can't help but say it, can you? I was like, what's up with her? Like, what's her problem? And she says, every time that you kind of interrupt me, it bugs me third time. And I was like, oh, and she goes, when you do that, it feels like you're not even listening to me. And I remember being like, really, do I do that? And she's like, yeah, you do that. And you do it a lot. You actually do it a lot. And you've done it for a long time. I love that woman a couple days a week, you know, But it was at that point that I had come to a crossroad three different times. Was I going to become wise or would I just keep doing what I'd always done and be foolish? And I realized I need to work on this, that I couldn't blame anyone anymore, that I couldn't ignore it. And so this is what I did. Uh, A guy that I meet with every single week I I sat down with him and we shared questions. I said, one question I want you to ask me every single week is this. uh, How are you doing listening to your wife, your kids, your staff, and your friends every single week? And for the last seven or eight years, every single week, that's one of the questions that I get asked. Now, this is what I need you to know. I have not perfected not interrupting people. But I'm getting a lot better, and I'm trying because I put something in place to become wiser. Folks, the fool is a person who will just get mad. They get defensive. They get upset. They fly off the handle. They don't want you to tell them anything that might be a blind spot because they can't handle it. They just can't handle it. So the Bible says, do not confront a fool. Do not confront a fool. You cannot talk to them about problems because it doesn't 
help. It doesn't change anything. If you do this, only bad things are going to continue to happen because they will not listen to you. Now, what's funny is that many of us, including myself and many of you, when we're with the fools, we think we can change them by talking about the problems. And so we kind of interject something within this, and it's a, a psychological phrase. I'm sure you're used to it. It's called nagging. You have someone who has a problem, and you just start to nag. And you nag more and more. We talked about this last week. If you weren't here, you can listen to about nagging. And nagging, we all know, is saying the same thing again over and over and over again and expecting different results. And what's funny is that sometimes what people will actually do is that they'll try to talk louder. That if I just nag and I talk louder, that will change things. And then they're like, if I get more clarity, that'll do that. Stop it. If it's a foolish person, they're not going to change. They're not going to listen to you. So you stop it. So the wise person, the strategy is talk, to the, talk about the problems because it'll work out. But with the fool, the strategy actually is stop talking about the problems and move to limits and consequences. You stop talking about the problem and you move to limits and consequences. When you're in a relationship with a fool, folks, you have to talk about it in a very different way, in a very different way. It's not about talking about the problems because when you talk about the problems, folks, it just doesn't help. So this is what you have to do. You go to the person and you tell them this. You say, talking to you about problems does not help. So that is the problem that I want to talk about right now. Did you just hear what I said? Some of you will catch that later on. You'll be like, oh, that was good. (laughs) Folks, you, you sit down with them and you say, talking about the problems doesn't help, but that's the problem that I actually want to talk about. And they'll probably look at you like, well, what are you talking about? And you say, well, I can't expose myself to you not changing anymore. And in the workplace, it might be, I can't expose myself anymore to you not doing your job. All I can do is control me. Remember, we talked about that last week. The only person that you have control over is yourself, self-control. So I can't expose my family. I can't expose my coworkers to you anymore. So I need to make a way of you being aware of this so you will change. Is there a way that I can do that? Is there a way that I can give you feedback when things don't change? And what will happen is they'll say, yeah, uh, this is the feedback that I want to give to you. And you take all of that down. You say, okay, When a problem comes up, this is the way I'm going to respond to you. And then you tell them, and this is what I want you to know. When you do not change from me responding in the way that you told me to, I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm going to stop talking. And what I'm going to do is place some limits and consequences into our relationship because it doesn't work for us to talk through the problems. Um, It might look something like this. Let's say that you're in a marriage and the person that you're married to has a huge anger problem. 
whenever something comes up, there's this huge sense of like rage that just flies all over the place. And what you do is you're like, hey, you know what? You tell me that you want the two of us to be closer and connected and to be able to do life more deeply together. But I want you to know when you act like this, I can't do that. And what you do is you change your language from saying you, 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 and you actually start using some I language. You start saying, I can't expose myself to you when you're acting like this. And if this happens again, I will leave or I will go to Sally's house. Here's another way to respond to it. If you continue to drink alcohol the way that you are while we're in the home or you get wasted and you're belligerent out in a family place in some way, I'm going to a hotel. I will not expose our family to this. Or you always say you want to engage with me and I want that. I want to engage with you. But I want you to know that if we just stay at home and you watch TV or you play video games the whole time, I am not going to sit here and do that. I am going out with my friends to build relationships. There has to be some limit or there has to be some consequence. And it might be as severe as calling the cops, uh, calling a shelter, uh, actually choosing to separate for a while. If you're being physically abused in any relationship, just get out, leave, don't stay in it. But I'm telling you, a fool is not going to listen to you ever unless you set some limits and some consequences. Now, here's the deal. Uh, The deal is this, that I have great hope for fools. I have great hope for foolish people. I really do. And do you know why? Because fools are not bad people. Fools are not bad people at all. If you and I got rid of all of the fools that were in our life, we'd have no friends or family, would we? You wouldn't have anybody in your life. Fools are fine people. They simply need limits and consequences. Now, the last person uh, or the last type of group of people that I want to talk about are evil people. There are people who have kind of evil behavior at times. Evil people are not just people who avoid responsibility. That's what foolish people do. But Evil people actually have a desire, folks, to inflict pain. They want to inflict pain on someone else. They want to cause bad to another person. They will will bad for another person. Sometimes you'll see this in the workplace or you'll see it in companies. Uh, There's a big meeting and a person doesn't get their way. They're not going with their idea. They actually kind of uh, confront the person and say, you got to quit acting like this. And they get mad and they like slam down on the board table. And they're actually like, I will bring this place down. I will bring every single one of you down. Scripture says the evil person's heart and mind desires violence and destruction. They will manipulate, they will cause violence, they will threaten, they will destroy, they will do whatever it takes for them to actually get their way. They desire to inflict pain upon other people. So, 
how do you deal with an evil person or someone who has an evil behavior? Scripture says this, the wise person sees danger and hides themselves. The wise person actually sees danger and hides themselves. Folks, I need you to know that if you are a nice, loving, reasonable person, evil people will take you to the cleaners. They will. They will take you to the cleaners if you don't understand this verse. I mean, with an evil person, folks, you cannot talk to them about problems. With an evil person, you cannot set limits or any kind of consequences or boundaries that you give to them. You can't. The the strategy for an evil person is I choose to disengage. I actually choose to hide myself. I choose to disengage from that person. I choose to disengage. In fact, if you think about it, there's a phrase in our vocabulary that says, I will only talk to you through my attorney. Right? That's an evil person. You can't talk to them. Some people, folks, are not safe to actually be around. Now, the truth is this, folks. All of us, every single person in this auditorium, everyone that's on the stream today, we all have these three types of groups that jump into our lives, and we act like this at different times. For example, on one day, you might come to me and say, hey, Chris, I want to talk to you about something. You kind of screwed this up a little bit, and so you really need to change it. And I will be like a wise person who says, great. I'm so glad you just shared that with me. I really want to get better at this. Thank you for telling me this. It will not happen again. There are many other days where you might give feedback to me as well. And for some reason, it, uh, you know, kind of hits a button and I don't want to take responsibility for it. And I get upset and I get defensive and I get mad. And then thirdly, all of us do this sometimes too, is we actually want to hurt some people. Don't raise your hand right now, but have any of you ever wanted to uh, key the car of another person before? Like you want to take your key and like, yeah, just give them a little artwork because it's something they did. Folks, that's evil. It doesn't help. It doesn't make anything better. It's just hurtful behavior. Now, in closing, I realize that some of you have been hurt big time by foolish people and or by evil people. They have caused pain to you. And here's the deal. Jesus understands. Jesus totally understands what you've gone through. Because people that he cared for, people he helped, people he loved, actually acted very foolish towards him many different times. There were people who were evil towards him that created all kinds of pain and hurt, who said they would never leave him or forsake him, and they walked away, who caused pain and damage to him, caused destruction to him. And when this happened, how did Jesus respond? Do you remember? He forgave them. He actually forgave foolish and evil people. Now, you need to know there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is where you say, I need to forgive this person. I need to forgive them for what they did. But it only requires one person. 
Forgiveness only requires one person. But reconciliation, folks, needs two people. Reconciliation always needs the other person to own some of the process as well. In fact, Mother Teresa said, if you're only 1% of the problem, you be the first one to apologize for the 1%. And so reconciliation always takes two people, and the other person has to say, I'm sorry, you're right, I have an issue with this. But if those words never come out of the other person, it's very difficult for any relationship to ever go forward. You see, forgiveness, folks, always has to do with the past. It's, I'm set free. We forgive. Trust always happens with the future. Forgiveness is about, I'm forgiving from the past. Trust is about the future because trust has to be earned. Trust involves apology. Trust involves ownership that I'm actually going to own what is said. Now, Some of you have people in your life right now that you need to forgive. Some of you have people in your life that you need to forgive. It doesn't mean that you have to trust them because they haven't really worked towards any forgiveness. Maybe it's an ex-spouse. Maybe it's a parent who has been very difficult. Maybe it's a friend or a business partner who caused all kind of pain and evil. They've done foolish, evil things. We are to forgive them. Jesus says that when you forgive, you set a prisoner free and you find out that the prisoner is yourself. Because when we have bitterness, when we have resentment, we have all those things. It does not bring freedom whatsoever. God always looks down at anyone who comes to him and says, I will forgive you. I will forgive you of everything from your past. I will do that. And yet, folks, there are people who will still choose to be estranged from God. They will still choose not to do that. They will waste the opportunity for forgiveness, and they will choose to say, you know what? Nope, that's not me. And if they don't say, will you forgive me? God, I'm so sorry. I'm a part of this. If they just don't wake up to this, it doesn't happen. Folks, I want you to know that God is not mad at you. God doesn't walk with grudges up in heaven. God actually walks quite freely because he realizes he sent his most precious gift to you and I, people who are foolish sometimes, people who are evil, and he died on a cross for everything you've done in your past, all your flub-ups, mess-ups, screw-ups in life. And he is free, and he's like, I want everyone to be free with me, to walk in freedom like me. But the choice is truly up to you. So today, you might ask yourself, what category are you in? Are you a wise person? Have you been kind of foolish? Is there some evil in you? The good news is, is that God says everyone's welcome to the party. And the choice is up to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for choosing to forgive us when we're 
wise, when we're foolish, when we're evil. God, thank you for forgiving us even when we don't deserve it. Thank you for reminding us today how we can be wise in our relationships. God, there are some people in our lives right now that are foolish. And I would ask you to just ask the Holy Spirit right now, God, who in my life is foolish or has been an evil person towards me in some way? Who is that person? And yet we know, God, that you call us to forgive them, not to trust them, but to forgive them, not to think that reconciliation is going to happen immediately, but that we are called to forgive them. So right now, if you're willing to take a step of faith and to be able to say, you know what? I do want to forgive this person, whoever it is, whatever foolish thing they've done, whatever evil thing they've done, if you are willing to do that, I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing. Every eye kind of closed, no one looking around. You on the stream can join us as well, but you just raise your hand and say, yep, I want to do that. I want to forgive a foolish, evil person. You know who that is. You don't have to trust them at the same level, but I'm going to forgive them. Just raise your hand and let me pray for you. God, I thank you for each hand that is raised. Do your healing work right now. Help them to forgive someone who has caused them pain in some way, who has ignored them in some way. It doesn't mean that they have to trust them any more at the same level that they did before. That'd be foolish for them to do that. But we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help them to forgive, to set boundaries, and maybe if they have to, even disengage. God, we know our act of forgiveness may not change that person. But God, forgiveness always changes us when we give it to other people. Give us faith, God, to forgive just as you have forgiven us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hand down. You know, some of you, as we've been talking today, you might be thinking to yourself, actually, you know what? I've done some really foolish things. I've done some evil in my own life. And in doing this foolishness, you're like, I've caused some pain to some other people. I've hurt other people. I don't believe that God really wants anything to do with me because of what I've done in my past, that thing that I did. Whether it was maybe an affair or something that you took money from someone, some, something that caused a lot of pain and hurt to somebody else, and you think there's no way God could forgive me for that. Well, I want you to know that Scripture actually says, for God so loved the world, every single person, that he gave his son. And he said, I love you so much that I'll forgive you of anything and everything if you'll come to me. Don't be foolish. Don't be evil. Come to me and don't be estranged from me. Come to me and we can work on this together and I can give you forgiveness and you can change your life. I can give you new life today. And so for those of you who would say, you know what, that's me. I want to do that. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we share in community together. 
And if today's your day where you're like, I need you, God, in my life. I need your love. I need your grace. I need your second chance in my life. I don't want to live a foolish or evil life anymore. Then I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And everyone will join you in that so that you never pray alone. And so with every eye closed, with each head bowed, if you feel comfortable doing so, simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Save me. Make me brand new. Jesus, be my Lord so I can show your love. Help me forgive others just as you've forgiven me. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my days. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand.